Lord Jesus, what is it that you're already doing? Help me to see. Help me to hear what your spirit is unveiling. You know, there's a, the, I don't know if, you, if we know what these are, being from the UK. Uh, these I discovered being in France for a couple of months. Sunglasses. They're incredible. I think the sales over there are a little bit more than what they are over here in the UK. And you wear these to, pre- to protect your eyes from the sun, of course. Mine don't really fit me so well, but anyway. And uh, I, I, I bought these. Now, of course, these can be used for a... For a uh, I was expecting a little, more, a little bit more of a... Ooh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> these, I, I, you know, you wear them, obviously, to protect your, your eyes from, from the from the sun but also when I wear these I'm kind of reminded on occasion of the verse that the Lord removes the scales from your eyes because when you wear sunglasses everything dims you can still see a little but everything dims but then when when you take them off it's so much brighter there's so much color and wonder and beauty and I believe that that quite simply, when we meet Jesus, when we encounter God, there's something of the scales removed from our eyes where we just go, wow, that's the point. That's what it's all about. And so hopefully this morning, I'm going to share a few thoughts from, from Scripture, and I know that you've been doing a, uh, a series uh, titled Jesus is, is Able. And so for me, maybe the title this morning is Jesus is Able to Restore, Renew the Colour in our lives, the beauty, all shades of the, of the colourful spectrum that is life. It's wonderful. So to do that, we're going to look at, uh, at John chapter 4. I know you've been going through the, the book of John, and, and Pete said, can you take a look at these and see if, you know, if this is where the Lord leads you as well? And, and uh, absolutely, I, I just think that God is going to speak to us. So as you turn to John 4, if you have your Bible, verse 43 to 54, I'll just say a word of prayer before we read Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God, that you have good gifts for your children. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your goodness, your mercy. Lord, thank you that you are here, that you are amongst us. And may your Holy Spirit minister, speak into our hearts and minds, into our lives. Lord, help us to just put everything else down this moment in time. And may we be able to see and hear what your spirit is saying. And Lord, give us the courage to respond. Give us the courage to respond. Not just this morning, but in the coming days. So Lord, take my words, use them for your kingdom and your purposes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read from John chapter 4. And this is a, a wonderful story, of course, in the, in the Gospels. And as I say, I know that you've made your way through a few of the chapters already in 
John. And here we're going to, to really read of a magnificent sign that we see Jesus accomplish in this chapter. And there are many times in life where we're looking for signs, where we're looking for signs. So my wife and I, we, we married about 18 months ago. And you know, maybe we all remember when you're looking for, when you're dating and you're looking for signs, you're looking for the eye contact, you're looking for the, the little smile, or maybe when you go for the first date at the cinema or something, you're looking for the response when you pull the move of, oh, okay, not just yet. You're looking for the signs. Then when you, when you get married, you kind of learn and look again for more signs. One of the signs, one of the things I've learned since getting married, coasters, coasters. I didn't know what a coaster was before I was married. But now I, I know, I've learned, I know. It's a coaster. You read the signs. What are you doing putting your cup on there? It's a table without a coaster. It's okay, darling, it's there. Signs. We're going to read of a sign. Signs, miracles. They're important, but they're not the point. But let's read from John chapter 4, verse 33, down to the end, which is verse 54. It says, at the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything that he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana where he had turned the water into wine. It's the second miraculous sign that people are seeing there was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to, come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Maybe that's a question for some of us this morning. Will you never believe? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and journeyed home, started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. I love that verse. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. 
So we read these verses. Maybe this is the, the first time that you've read these verses, or maybe you've read this story many times before. I don't know. But either way, we're faced with many, many thoughts, ideas. This, converse, this is a, a profound encounter that a leader of the Roman Empire has with Jesus. He's from a different school of thought. This isn't a, a Pharisee or a scribe. This isn't an educator of the law. This is someone from a different tribe and his son is ill, and his son isn't even anywhere near Jesus, not in the same location, not geographically in the same place. And yet when Jesus says to him, your son is healed, the guy trusts and journeys home. There's so much that throughout scripture, certainly when we when we, when we read of Jesus and his life, that there's so many situations in which, you know, in the best Greek that maybe I can say, he's kind of saying to people, you've missed the point. You've just missed the point. And this man in this story shouldn't have got it, but he just did. He absolutely, this is a story of word and not works. This is a story of, of, of grace and favor and gift, not of guilt. This is a, a story of, of receiving, not, not having to achieve. This is a story where somebody encounters Jesus for their family and his son. This is a story of miracles. I wonder what, what we think of miracles. Maybe there's some in this room that have prayed and seen a miracle. Maybe there's others that are asking questions. Well, if miracles do happen, why not for me? I've been blessed to see a few people healed of various illnesses, being part of that, being blessed to be able to see young moms who were unable to, to have children and God's turned their barren womb, it's giving them the gift of a child. But at the same time, my own nan, when I was 15, died from cancer. She was a follower of Jesus. She was only given seven months to live, but yet God gave her seven years. That was a real blessing to us as a family. So we can all wrestle with miracles. Well, there's some that say, well, they should happen all the time. And if we just have faith, and then they should happen all the time. And if, if they're not happening, then there's a problem with me. Oh, okay. And then there's others that say, well, maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. And as, as, as people... We kind of, we, we enjoy, we find more comfort in the real clear, cut and dry situations. This is where I stand. 
It's black or white. It, it's, it's yes or no. It, it is, it's there or it's here. But then there's all of this in between that we make our way through. I'm not a massive gardener, but, uh, but I, I, you know, I do one of the projects at the church in which we're pastoring at at the moment. What, we haven't set this up. We've only been there for a few weeks. They've got a, a wonderful team there that have set this up. And it's a, it's a homeless house for men over the age of 25 who are homeless in the area, working in five different kind of towns and villages in the, in the region. And uh, some incredible people that, that are housed through bad situations. And they have this, this garden that they're able to work on throughout the, throughout the days that they're there. There's all these kind of flowers, but also vegetables and things that are sprouting up to, you know, to grow things. And the principle is so amazing of gardening, of, of planting, of watering, of growing. Oh, the fact that the Bible calls God the great gardener, you know, to just dig up the weeds out of our lives, out of our hearts and, and minds and all these things that we go through. But every flower that sprouts is, is, I don't even know if that's the right word, sprout, flourishes is probably more accurate. Every flower that, that, that kind of blossoms and flourishes is surrounded by this dirt. And of course the seed dies to grow and then pushes through all of this mud and dirt that helps it grow and keeps it planted and the, 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 you know, it, it goes deep and then it rises and it's this wonderful flower. There's often times where we go through seasons of blessing. There's many times where we may well go through seasons of trial, but God can turn those trials into a triumph. In fact, the greatest miracle that we can all encounter and all embrace is that of forgiveness, of restoration, of redemption, of salvation. It's a holistic miracle, heart, mind, body, and soul. But here we have this sign that Jesus performs, and he literally says to the people, will you not believe in me? I love that because he's not saying, will you not believe about me? <laughs> he's not saying, will you not believe what you've heard? But he's actually saying, will you not believe in me? Will you not believe in me? In Jesus, in all that he is in all of the, the God that he is encompassed in humanity. Will you not believe in me? I've just been saying to maybe some of the young people this week at this uh, kind of youth um, uh, holiday camp that I've been speaking at for a week, and, and I just said to them, the point isn't to become a Christian just to read the Bible. The point in becoming a Christian isn't to sit at home and pray for an hour every day. The point of becoming a Christian isn't to just come to church. Now I say that, let me qualify some of that. Reading the Bible is essential as a Christian. Prayer is like oxygen to a believer. Church 
is an incredible community that we need to be a part of and want to be a part of as a Christian. But an athlete, when they train and they exercise and they eat well and they sleep well, sleep's probably number two on the list. Eat right, sleep well, get your rest, and then exercise is next on the agenda as far as they take things. Often we get that mixed up in life, but that's generally the flow for the professionals. And yet, at the se- that's not the point. The point is to run. The point is to win the race. The point is to run the race. This man got the point. His life was colorful. He didn't have it all together. You notice when he approached Jesus, and I say that this is a story. This is a story of word and not work. That when he approached Jesus and told Jesus his situation, Jesus didn't say to him, I don't think you've earned enough. I don't think you've quite been a Christian for long enough. I don't think you've done various things. Jesus says the word. Grace and God's favor cannot be earned. You think of the story of Joseph. Think of the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, Genesis 36 through to 50. What a magnificent story where he goes from, from, from kind of being sold, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, ah, put in prison for many years, totally forgotten about, and then ends up working in a palace, accused of a whole bunch of stuff that he didn't do. And then in the palace, when he's face to face, with his brothers, the people that absolutely stabbed him in the back, the people that hated him, that plotted to destroy him, he has, he has the strength, the peace, the comfort, the graciousness to be able to say, you didn't put me here. God did. Often when we're going through those things, we don't always feel like that. And I just want to say, if you're in that moment where you're thinking, well, you know, I'm like this man, I I want to run to Jesus, but, or maybe you're like his son, and you just feel like, I'm just going to die. I'm just feeling empty. I'm just broken. I don't know if I can get up. And there's often times where we feel we can't get up and we need, we need one another to say, I'll believe for you. I'll pray with you. I, I'm going I'm to ask Jesus to do a miracle for you, for us together. But maybe we feel like that and we're just saying, Lord, where are you? I just believe, like in that story of Joseph, where his father put a cloak around him of favor, of absolute love and compassion and grace and goodness and favor in saying, I choose you and I hold you and I'm sending you, but I will always be there with you. Ah, just, I love that story. 
love reflecting upon that story. But here we, to come back so I don't go too much off track, forgive me. We have this story of word, not work. When we are in a time of panic, of fear, and once more this is a story of faith, not fear. This man probably full of fear for the life of his son, wondering what is this, what's going to happen, he's dying. And he runs, he goes, he travels to Jesus. How do we respond in times of fear? What's our default mechanism? Now there's some fear in our lives that is good, there's other fear that's unhelpful. The Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Beginning, beginning, not conclusion, but it is the beginning of of wisdom, the fear of God. Now that fear, now just imagine if you were to live in fear of of somebody that you believe, somebody that that you're with a lot of the time. Imagine if you were absolute, every time they moved or said something, you know know that saying, uh, walking on eggshells, I don't know if I can approach that. Or imagine if they were, you, you know, oh, I, don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can do that. Fear. Can you imagine the, the anxiety, the trembling, the, the uncomfort? Some people have a, have a fear of others, have a fear of failure. Have a, some have an unhealthy fear of God where we're thinking that he's angry in the sky and he's, boom, just come on, sort your life out. Get it, pull your trousers up, get it together, man. We think he's like, you know, like the typical Zeus or something. Big white beard in the sky. Zap. That's not, that's not, that's not God the Father. That's not God the Son that we see in this story. Where he, he welcomes one and all. And he does a, a, a miracle for someone that isn't of his tribe. That's quite a big deal in this setting. And yet Jesus says the word. And maybe there is a word that you have been waiting for from God. And I would pray and believe with you this morning that 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 word you've been waiting, when Jesus, nobody else can, now there may have been others that have said words over you. Now it's scientifically proven and there may well be other people that are more interested in science than I or maybe far more qualified than I. But in some reading that I've discovered, because I don't think that Christians should be scared of science or I don't think there should be kind of a, a odds and ends, discuss but never divide. Discuss but don't divide. Let's figure out where everyone's coming from and, and see God's not scared of the world that he's created. God's not fearful of the discovery of his creation. And so we, we can discuss but not divide. Now, scientifically, it is proven. They've done tests on our brain that when somebody says a negative word, it leaves an impression for a long time. But when somebody, when somebody says a positive word, it's gone. It's gone. 
It's literally like, like Velcro or a, uh, a non-stick greasy pan, that, that type of thing, you know, it just doesn't stick. What they actually say is that when something good happens, you have to consciously, intentionally, for 15 seconds, dwell on the positive moment. It's amazing. And yet the Bible says the tongue, words have the power of life and death. In fact, the Bible says in the book of James that the tongue is like a, a, a bit in, a, in, the, in the mouth of a horse that directs where we go. Now, that's the word of God, and it's also scientifically proven. I love, I love it when we discover something that the Bible's been saying for however many years. Incredible, because that's how God's made us. Now, there may well be some things, some words that have been spoken over us that we hold on to for many years. And when I was looking at this passage, I just knew we've forgotten the words, the word that Jesus has spoken over us. There may have been time where, and we just, we just, we just go, we just go through life, you know, teenagers, and we laugh and we cry, and it's like a roller coaster, and we do school, and then we're twenties, and you know, we maybe do further education, begin work, and try a few different jobs, and thirties, possibly meet someone, maybe get married, maybe have children, and we go through the motions, and then suddenly we kind of go, forgotten, just on autopilot. Maybe some of us need to just intentionally stop and say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Now this belief, this faith isn't in about Jesus, it's in Jesus. So the point, I'll read you this, I was going to read this at the end, but... I wrote this earlier on in the week, and I'm not a massive writer or poet of any thought, of any sort, but uh, or thought actually. But still, I, I wrote this earlier on in the week. What's the point? And maybe you're sat here this morning saying, "What's the point?" The point is to live freely, free from guilt, free from shame. The point is to be forgiven and to forgive others. This is freedom. The point is to live generously, to accept and welcome all. The point is to give more than we receive. The point is to live wholly, authentically you. To take away the masks to remove the makeup and see real beauty. The point is to live full, abundant life, wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. The point is be able to stand tall, to be able to lift up your head. The point is for the grayness to be turned into color. The point is for the heavy clouds of heart anger and pain to be healed. 
The point is to maintain wholeness during times of divorce, loss, and separation. The point is to be known and to know the unchangeable God when everything else can change. The point is to worship and not worry. Because the point is to love, not just learn about. The point is to be restored, not just to remember words, verses, chapters. The point is to let go, not hold on, but always be held. The point We do all of this. We read and we pray and we seek God so that we can live full and abundant life. Freedom. Freedom. This man in this story was free. Free. He came to Jesus and Jesus spoke the word. And as he journeyed back, he believed in Jesus and in his word. Not just the things that he'd heard about him. Not just the the stories that he'd heard from everybody. He believed in Jesus. And as he journeyed home, he knew. And I'm going to come to the last point in just a moment. As he journeyed home and, and he questioned. When did, he was kind of verifying. When did this happen? There is, I must say this. There is a level of sense and wisdom that we need to have with miracles. As a pastor over the years, I've spoke to many people. I'm just going to come off the the drugs of depression. I'm going to stop taking my medication that the doctors have prescribed. Because I'm just going to take a step of faith. I would never advise that as a pastor. I will pray and absolutely believe for God's physical, mental Spiritual healing, absolutely. But I would never give advice to take that sort of risk. God, let God do the miracle and let that be a witness to the medical world when they say, wow. We have people in the churches that I've had the privilege of pastoring at over the years that have been healed of cancer. One lady that traveled all the way from America, healed of AIDS. Incredible, all verified by doctors. Never once did we ever give the advice, stop now and let God do it. No. Never once would I ever say to somebody, it's your fault why you're ill. No, no, no. That is not the heart. God does not punish us with a sickness, ladies and gents. God does, you are not punished with sickness because of a past sin or fall or what, whatever that there are consequences to some of our actions in life okay but the heart of God is for us to be fruitful not fruitless and so we stand with one another in these times thoughtfully considerably just considerately praying for one another believing but I must also say this sadly questionably seen many not healed and said Lord why Lord why heard the one story of a a gentleman and his wife heard this man preach he was a pastor down in in London and he 
he told this story of he started off in ministry, was absolutely excited about leading a church and journeying all that God had got for he and his wife. And some years went by and they were still young, only in their late 20s, early 30s, and she was diagnosed with cancer. They prayed, they came forward, all of those things that we rightly do uh, in, in believing God for a miracle. And there was a time over that, one time where they were at hospital, and he was pushing her from one ward to the other, and his wife turned around to him and said, God has trusted us with this illness because somebody else couldn't take it. But God has trusted us to worship him even now. And when I first heard that, I, my first reaction was, what? What? Wow. And then I started to think, that's really quite courageous. That's really quite spiritually deep because she had an eternal perspective. And often we get, we, we're stuck in the temporal. That lady wasn't healed physically. She's in the family of God in eternity. She wrote her husband a little book of how to live life, how to do the ironing and all these different things that she put in his book because that's what he needed to do. And I just thought, what courage, what peace, not a lack of faith. It's not a lack of faith, ladies and gents. What peace to be able to say, the greatest miracle of all has already been done in my life. I have been forgiven and I am rescued and my eternity is with Jesus and I am free from fear and we are free from shame and we are free from the shackles of these earthly bodies because our lives, we are hidden with Christ. Maybe there will be some who need to process some of that and that's absolutely fine. If so, I would love to pray and speak with you, speak with you afterwards. But the final line I want to reference once more as we come to a close of, of this morning is that in this story, the gentleman, the officer, ran home and I said I, I loved this line. He and all his household believed in Jesus. Ladies and gents, he and all his household, and I believe that that is a word for some this morning. I myself, initially, my family were, were really not Christian, not church. We'd never been to church at all. My mom started going to church when I was just a, a child, and eventually I then became a Christian. And, uh, and, and over the years, I remember when I was 19 years of age, or 20 maybe, and I was so close to my nan and granddad, and my nan became a Christian first, but my granddad not initially, really conflicted with the Christian faith, mainly because he was a man's man. He came to church and he literally said this. Why are there so many gay people at church? They're all hugging me. They want to hug me. Why don't they just shake my hand, son? Why, they, why do all the men want to hug me? I don't want to go near them. Literally, his words. Interesting. 
he was part of the Masons and for many years and a very successful man. I remember just before he, he passed away, he and my mom would argue a lot. And I just decided to never talk to him about my faith. I would wait for him to initiate the conversation. There's one day where in his old age, his legs were quite swollen and not in good condition. And I was changing the bandage. And he said, son, just tell me a bit about your faith. And I remember just my eyes filling up. And I knew that God had said to me, he will become a Christian. And I managed to pray with my granddad before he died, some months later. And at his funeral was able to say that he, to me, denounced his masonry, became a follower of Jesus. My words breaking and eyes full of tears. He and all his household became believers in Jesus. Friends, you may have been praying for your family for many years. Never, ever, ever give up. But may it be an authentic encounter with Jesus. May it be an authentic encounter with Jesus. Because that's when somebody's life from death is brought alive once more when they jump and they just say yes it may not be the most spiritual amen it may not be in old English with all the these and thous and King James version of the Bible reciting scripture but there will be something inside of them that just says yes I don't understand it all but I just want to know him I don't, I don't get the whole culture of the Bible and the, I don't understand, but I just want life. I want to take off the mask and I just want to be me. Jesus didn't ask this man for anything. He didn't earn it. He didn't achieve it. He just received and trusted And trusted in the person of Jesus Christ. God, three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is who he believed in. So I'm going to close with a word of prayer. Could the worship band come back up and we'll close in song. That would be lovely. I hope and pray that God has spoken with you this morning. These have been some of my thoughts for the last little while. I, I kind of I have been preaching from my from my iPad, but I, I'm really loving a notebook at the moment because you can just kind of just jot and scribble and write things down. And you know, when I was doing that over these verses, the, the last little time in preparing, this is a story of word, not work, of grace, not guilt. This is a story of faith. And not fear. In fact, this is a fearless story of somebody running to Jesus and their life being miraculously changed. This is my closing words. Somehow, in the kingdom of God, down is up.
Less is more. Broken is whole. Small is big. Somehow in the kingdom of God, weak is strong. And low is high. Somehow in the kingdom of God, silence is loud. Poor is rich. Loss is gain. Somehow in the kingdom of God, death is life. To let go is to be held. The kingdom of God is upside down, inside out and back to front. But I thank God for that because he accepts people like me. That he welcomes us all to have a relationship with him this morning. Could I invite us to stand together as I pray and we close our service in song. Could close our eyes and bow our heads if you would like to. Maybe there would be some who would, if you'd like to just raise your hands as a sign of worship and surrender to God or have your hands in front of you, you're welcome to do so or you may just wish to stand there. That's absolutely fine. I just want to invite us this morning as we come to a close to just invite the Holy Spirit to solidify what he's spoken into our hearts this morning. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your goodness. I thank you that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, but you are a friend and saviour. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to work, perform or achieve your grace and forgiveness. But Lord, I thank you for your gift of salvation to us through Jesus who died and rose again three days later so that we could be free from shame, forgiven of sin, to live a full and fruitful life. And Holy Spirit, I ask May you move amongst us as we raise our voices in this closing song together.